Hello and welcome to Banking Transformed. I'm your host, Jim Maroos, founder and CEO of the Digital Banking Report and co-publisher of the Financial Brand. In a digital world where convenience, time savings, and instant access reign supreme, a physical first banking experience is no longer the preferred option for most consumers. But how can you verify the identity of someone wanting to do business with you? Banks should not have to compromise between security and a seamless customer experience along their customer journey. But this requires the right identity strategy that reflects today's risk, but also gives you the opportunity to meet the needs of a modern digital consumer. I'm excited to have Heidi Hunter, VP Product Innovations at Ideology on the show today. Heidi will discuss how knowing who your customer is across all channels at all times can be a differentiator for success. So welcome to the show today, Heidi. You know, detecting and deterring fraud without negatively impacting the customer experience has brought digital identity verification to the forefront of strategic considerations for financial institutions, really of all sizes. The stakes are getting higher every day as fraud continues to rise at the same time that the demands for frictionless experience from consumers also becomes more pronounced. So Heidi, before we begin, can you share a little bit about Ideology and what your firm focuses on? Yeah, absolutely. So Ideology is a leading provider of identity verification solutions. Uh, Primarily, we're focused here in the U.S. We are owned by a larger, broader group called GBG, which has the same objective, but they do it on a global scale. So for us, we've been in business for over 15 years. (laughs) I mean, hold on. Let me take a breath there. I might actually be longer. I'm a dinosaur, Jim. I've been here for over 10 years, so I have to do my math right. Uh, (laughs) It's getting close to 20 years that we've been in business. But what we've really gleaned from that has been watching how things have really shifted, right? Originally, when I first started working at the company, our goals were to try to authenticate as many consumers as possible. Fraud wasn't as part of the onboarding landscape as it is today. So as the industry's evolved, we've evolved and our insights have really grown. So we've been able to bring some really interesting um, solutions to the market to help address, you know, the problem of balancing what, as you spoke about, right, fraud prevention, but also giving that great, you know, onboarding experience that American consumers have grown to expect. Financial institutions know the importance of ID verification with regards to compliance and and fraud and risk. Yeah, nobody likes dealing with regulators, right? <laughs> oh, oh, exactly. But how can they leverage an ID verification process to actually create a, a more positive brand experience? Yeah, that's a great question. So data insights, I go back to this every time I'm asked by a customer, you know, what's the best thing that we can do here? You want to gather as many data insights as you can about the person that you're going to be onboarding, right? And there is so much information that you can gather from information about their mobile device, their mobile account, their email address. You can do geolocation around the IP uh, of the device that's, that's doing the digital onboarding, right? When you have really deep data diversity there, also in the identity, and a strong provider or solution set that dives really deep into those details, you're doing the authentication beyond just the primary data points you need for compliance. And you're pulling back all these great insights, right? Um, And when you layer in uh, fraud capabilities like consortiums or um, high velocity propensity alerts, you're able to really get confidence that this is really a legitimate customer that wants your product. But 
you know, you're able to find the problems with fraud because those patterns are going to be there. There's always heuristics in how the fraudsters are going to transact and when they're doing these accounts. And so by leveraging those deep insights, those that's data that you're already connect, uh, collecting, right? You need a phone number in order to communicate with them in an email so they can get into their account. Um, so why not authenticate all these data points that you have? Um, and by doing that, you're able to save the friction, right? And then you can leverage the friction where it's needed on things that look suspicious. You can shut out the things that are fraudulent. And that good consumer, the only thing that they've had to do is just data entry, you know, or scanning a document to get started and they're done. So it's a really great way to bring in as much as you can, but give the consumer what feels, you know, high touch, but very minimal for what they have to do to transact and get in with you. So it's interesting. As Lee and my team know, there's probably not a podcast that goes by or a webinar that I do or an article I write that I don't at some point say, we have got to start thinking as a digital consumer thinks and try to meet their needs and making things easier, simpler, faster. And when we talk about digital account opening, a lot of times we're still at a, a 10 to 15 minute process. Yeah. Organizations will say, oh, we can put them online right away. Well, but that's after a 15 minute process. The, the whole digital identity process actually can speed up the mechanisms with which digital identity can be done and digital onboarding and new account opening can be done. What are some of the must-have features needed for a truly effective identity verification solution? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm going to go back to it again. Those data insights, right, they can rapidly speed up that process because if you are able to get a really good perspective on how much risk is associated with this transaction quickly, then you can make quick decisions about what's the next part of your process, right? So by having that information up front, that's a really quick way to know what you're going to need to do next. And if you've you know, authenticated an individual beyond their identity that they've needed to provide and you've gone deep into the details, you know you don't need to apply friction. And then what was a 15-minute process can be done in a few minutes, right, of just entering in data. The other thing I would say is that there are digital technologies available that you can leverage that will help that process move faster than what you're doing traditionally, right? So um, as you know, consumers are moving uh, to this digital environment, they're becoming more accepting of technologies that in the past they might have been a bit resistant to. Um, so you know, what what we saw back with shelter in place and the pandemic, you know, people that were holdouts and were adverse to doing digital. Uh, you know, doing things like supplying a driver's license online, scanning a passport, doing biometrics, right? They're resistant to that technology. They might not trust it or they feel as though it's, you know, it's, it's just not something they were accustomed to um, online. But the pandemic changed all of that because going into the branch and seeing your teller, that's not an option anymore, right? You you have to adapt and do this. My father, he is very technology <laughs> adverse. He is a serious holdout. I just got him off his flip phone two years ago, right? Um, and he works in the commercial. You beat the trend by two years because now they're completely unwinding. They're not even letting people have them anymore. Right, so. absolutely. I feel like you got to get out of it, right? That's what I was telling him. Um, but, you know, for him, I mean, he, you know, he had all these checks he needed to cash so he could fund his business and keep doing what he needed to do, right? So remote check deposit was something he was incredibly adverse to, didn't think it was safe. And he saw what he found was the ease of it. It's easy, Right. He can sit at home and scan 20 checks and get them in his account and he's done. Right. 
get it over to the accountant. It's everything is so much more simple. So that's really what pan, what the pandemic did for us, right? Is it shifted the mindset of the consumer to be more accepting of these technologies. So, you know, whereas before, you know, when you're evaluating your onboarding processes and you're trying to figure out how can we speed this up or offer more tools, you're going to find a consumer base that's more accepting of this, right? So doing a digital document verification, taking that paperwork in the flow that you need, whether it's additional pieces of um, their identity, like a lease or a mortgage or a utility statement, you can do these things online. It's a faster process. Nobody has to go find a fax machine, come to a branch, and you're going to find consumers are more accepting of it. And then if I can be super extra, Jim, the other side of this that I love is we have a new rise of millennials and the generation, you know, coming, the generations coming uh, after them, they've always grown up with tech. You know, my children, yeah, they've always had iPads and tablets in their hands, right? So they're used to digital technologies. And so one thing I really stress with my clients is, you know, outside of finding great, the, you know, our, our core base is now accepting of digital technologies, there's a real big opportunity to attract a completely new market by accepting digital uh, digital options, right? Because they've grown up with it, they're comfortable with it, right. and they're used to the Amazon experience across the board. So you don't want to miss the yeah. boat, right? By not bringing those things in. So you mentioned trust earlier, and, and obviously it's becoming more important than ever in every industry. And you've also talked about the automation and digital identity verification process. And, and really, when you're looking at it, from my perspective, if you make it easier for me and you protect me from people outside that are trying to steal my identity, this obviously builds trust. But how? Can, what other ways does the digital ID verification program improve the trust concept of, of the experience? Yeah, absolutely. I think if, you know, as a brand, if you're promoting yourself as being aware of these things, right, and you're going through these authentication steps, that's a way to assure a consumer that you take identity seriously, you take their identity seriously, right? And you're not going to be letting fraudsters make fraudulent attempts with data that's been stolen or is synthetic because you are taking the time and consideration to implement those policies in your workflow, which shows that, you know, beyond wanting to um, onboard legitimate con uh, consumers and people that really want your product and you want that to be a great experience for them, you also have that consciousness of the impact that identity theft has on the American consumer, right? So by having that, you know, secure process like that, you're helping build that trust with the consumer that, you know, you know, this is a challenge and you're doing everything you can to prevent it as a, as a company. So I think it, it's a trust that flows both ways, right? You can trust this is your consumer and your consumer can trust that you're taking their data seriously and you're not going to do anything that puts them at risk. Now, now you do a study of ideology around identity, identity and fraud and risk and all this. How big of a problem is identity theft right now? And how big of a problem are we trying to address with your solution? I mean, it's enormous. And unfortunately, it's it's an evolving problem that it's gone, it's, it's gone multi-factor. There's a lot that you're up against, right? So we know that phishing attempts are one of the biggest challenges that any company experiences, any consumer experiences. I know, I think yesterday alone, I got around three or four fake texts on my phone um, in various ways. Some are total garbage. Some were like, oh, um, you know, you need to do this for your account to turn on. And one was really ugly. It was actually 
a falsified AT&T telling me I had security options I could download on my phone, right? I mean, these attacks are coming to the consumer every day at a really high propensity. My poor grandmother, I think her Facebook account gets breached like once a week. Bless her heart. I don't know how it keeps happening, but she does it. So it, you know, the phishing is a serious problem for a person at the consumer level, but also at the business level too, right? And it's a really easy way to get data. They try to get you on the line. They try to take over your device. They're going to start stealing things. And then it's a problem for the consumer that it happens to, but it's also a massive problem for the banking world, right? Because how do you know that this is really this person and not somebody who's breached their account, stolen their data, um, and it's only accelerating because they can go direct to consumers to get this information. You know, when I started in the industry, the problem was companies like, you know, having data breaches, right? You got the Anthem breaches, the credit bureau right. breaches. That that was the, the linchpin. That's where you wanted to get. But they don't have to do that anymore. They can come into our own home and take this information from us if we're not secure and we're not protecting ourselves. And it's so widely available on the Internet. And it's really ugly the depth that it goes to. I've actually seen on some um, dark web searches that we did internally where they had bucketed people based on their credit scoring. So if you wanted to really have a solid data that you, yeah, you could steal people's data that had a score of 750. You could just imagine what they could do with that, right? Lend, take out loans. Right. Yeah, really get anything that they wanted. Um, it, it's a massive problem and it's not going away. Right. I think at this point, we can all expect that our identities in some capacity, either by our own doing or by another organization, our data has been breached. Our children's data has been breached. Right. So all you can do is layer up and secure your processes as best as you can so you can get those people, get those bad attempts out of your system and reject them from being able to open accounts. You know, another aspect of digital identity verification is the fact that there's more and more interest in being able to serve the the segments that have been underserved in the past. This includes customers that have maybe thinner credit files. How does ideology help institutions grow market share with these file thin or thin file customers? I actually love this question because this is one of the things that make me a true believer of ideology. Um, when you have data diversity, with the types of data sources that you're searching. And what I mean by that is going beyond credit, um, looking at you know what we would call the public record system. Um, that data is built on 50 different types of data. And then on top of that, there's billions and billions of records in there. By having diversity like that, you're able to authenticate um, with the methods that are approved by regulators and get up, get access to people who are credit adverse, underserved when it comes to credit. And when you can offer a product to that consumer group that other people have rejected or passed on, right? I think what I really love about, I love the access of it first, right? Doing that, that broader good of serving everyone and making sure everybody has access to great products. But, you know, I tell my customers, I think about what's the adverse of that? You were the company that was able to find data on them, authenticate them, and get them boarded when they got passed up by others, right? They're going to be a great customer for you. They're going to be loyal. They're going to love your products because, yeah, you were the one that made it happen for them, right? And that can be their springboard to, you know, getting things like ACH and, you know, then maybe they open a credit card with you in a few years once they've really started building things up and they'll be a customer for life, right? 
Um, So I, I love that. I love that piece of it and what it does, you know, to serve everyone. And to kind of even add to that, if you think about why a digital environment has made this even better is those consumers, maybe they don't have a car to drive to your branch. Maybe they don't have the means, you know, to go and do a traditional opening. Everybody has a cell phone. Cell phones outnumber us. Like they better never go, you know, Skynet and rise against us because I think cell phones outnumber us in the States two to one. Um, everybody has a phone. So if you can offer a great experience on a device, it's it's accessible to all. Anybody can have it. And so I really love that about it. Well, it's interesting. I was, um, as my listeners know, I went to China two years ago in January, uh, right before uh, the COVID crisis, and visited Tencent. And Tencent with their uh, WeBank, it was very interesting because their data files got so deep and they were able to hit almost every single consumer Mm -hmm. in some way. And they were using data like cell phone usage data that helped them validate whether or not a person was real. But as opposed to saying, oh, they're good in credit, they were able to avoid those people that created the biggest risk. And that that took out a segment, but it left a whole wide segment between those that really present a risk and those that would meet traditional guidelines. What they're able to do with that is hit a much broader marketplace, which actually is what's happening in the fintech marketplace in the United States, where fintech players are usually going for those consumers mm-hmm. that are in that mid-market that are not bad consumers, no. but they're, they were never good enough for the traditional banking world. Yeah. With your solution, and, and I think we have to remember that yours is not just a digital identification verification. It's really a data and analytics solution right. that lets an organization more seamlessly impact the consumer's journey across the entire uh, life of the the relationship. And it's not just an account opening. Yes, that's a major point of, of impact, but it's on an ongoing basis. So I think your point is that that for those those lower market consumers that are gonna many of them are gonna grow into very loyal, very profitable consumers. Let's let take the buy now, pay later base. Mm-hmm. These people, you now can use data that's being used by the fintechs in such a way to grow market share, correct? That's exactly right. Well put. Are you looking for a job, Jim? Because I'm hiring right now for product. I, I don't know if I could interview myself, <laughs> but I understand the process. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I, I think what, when we talk about data and analytics, well, a lot of times we're talking about experience and, and trying to next most likely product, but some of this is a bare, bare bones stuff that's so important mm-hmm. to make it so that consumers trust their financial institutions, so that consumers can transact seamlessly and, oh, by the way, be protected in the meantime. So, you know, what's interesting is your, your solutions are very sophisticated and they meet a, a, a growing need in the marketplace. Now, can any size organization partner with you for your solutions or is this really for the bigger guys? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, we have thousands of direct and indirect customers and they are um, across the board in size. And honestly, we love working with people who are um, starting to enter certain spaces or plays because we love to work with them as partners and figure out what are their challenges, what's unique to their business, how we can help them with the insights we have, our years of consulting other um, other banks, and help them really grow their business base. We like to feel ourselves very invested. And it's mutual because 
learning from their experiences and what they're seeing in data, it will translate to a broader insight, right? So we love working with with banks of all sizes, large and on the smaller side, because at the end of the day, the fraud is the fraud. It's going to be there no matter what yeah. size you are. And if, yeah. yeah. And so it's 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 wonderful to work with folks that are getting into this and try to help them uh, be, you know, be very invested in their success so that we can see them grow and um, you know, it's it's just very rewarding. So I would I would imagine also that in the same sense that you can work with any size organizations, that you know, the the ability that you have to work with so many different financial institutions, even those outside the financial service industry, every institution that you work with actually benefits from your learning that you have with other institutions. So if something comes up, something brand new. Mm-hmm. Let's take the current crisis in in between Russia and Ukraine, where obviously there's all kinds of fraudulent activity that may be on the horizon. You're able to apply this across all your customers, aren't you? We are. And actually, we did a we did a specialized outreach to our clients about this. And we explained these these possible cyber threats. Right. This is how you are going to see this in your life cycle through the following ways in the data. Right. These are the insights that are going to come across. And in your onboarding for new clients, these are the things to look out for. And we, you know, told all of them through your existing settings, these are these are the things that we think that you should do. And we also did things like supplying um, Russian email domains for their uh, negative lists, right? So we try to go above and beyond and address those situations as best as we can. Um, and and it's there. I mean, the insights are there uh, if if you're able to make those changes, you know, to prevent that type of activity. It was pretty seamless for our clients. So, so as we wrap up, what challenges do you see on the horizon around digital identity? Well, I there's a couple things I think folks should should be on the lookout for. Um, new technology is very exciting, right? When we think about things like we are, I think. I think in, in the United States, we are moving towards the concept of a tokenized identity. There's a lot of rush to this, right? We see it. We know there's kind of a semblance of this with Apple. I imagine at some point, Google's probably going to have something similar. We know that um, there's things like the Microsoft uh, verified credentials. They're, they've got a, a, a program there they announced a couple years ago. Um, and we know the states are starting to do digital documents, right? So you can have a digitized version of your driver's license or ID card that you carry around in your wallet. Um, our phone and our life as a consumer are merging and they're growing and eventually it's going to be there. Um, and while I think this is incredibly exciting, I'm really caution, I'm really cautioning clients, yes, let's let's keep transitioning towards this, but know that there is not a challenge a fraudster will not breach. It will be possible to crack these and steal these. And so as they're being built, as we're adapting that tech, we need to be thinking about where are the holes here? Because there will be, I mean, it's it's easy enough to port someone's account to a different provider and steal it. It's easy to steal, you know, it's easy to break into a phone and steal it. So how do we prevent that? How do we find that activity when it gets there? Another one, blockchain, right? Um, I love the concept of blockchain. Our solutions support blockchain. And I know a lot of institutions are wanting to start leveraging it in more capacities. I've got clients that are using it under the covers today, right, to build up information around their consumer base. But, you know, if you think about if you never if you didn't have the insights that someone was bad from the beginning, you're building information on a bad identity from the start 
and you're saying that it's good, right? Because a lot of the fraud, they'll sleep. They'll sleep for months and let something build up and look normal. And then all of a sudden, they just take you down and take as much as they can. So I think blockchain's another one, right, to be cautionary on and make sure that as you're um, starting to leverage that technology in the back end, you really understand how you're building it. You're making sure that the data that's getting in there is good data. I think those are all things to watch out for, but also be excited about because they are at the end of the day going to automate our processes, make it easier for us to, you know, work with our consumers. But just know fraudsters are always going to be there. It's never going to go away. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You, you know, I asked you about challenges and as an optimist, you, you brought in opportunities at the same time. And I think that's what's interesting is I think ideology, as, as I've gotten more and more familiar with your company, it is not just a fraud prevention company. It is really an opportunity door opener mm-hmm. where where the, the use of data and analytics at the deepest level, which is what you need for fraud. And when we look at the use of uh, machine learning, when we look at AI, all those started in the risk and fraud areas. They did. And now they're being used for better customer experiences. And I think one thing that you your, your company really has brought to the table is the ability to use the same data that you use to protect people to open doors for opportunities for finance institutions to serve consumers better, which is a nice mix. But it also, again, it's using the same data. There's no reason to have one company do this while another company does this. You you actually handle both sides of it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, before we leave, I want to make sure that you give a chance to tell people how they can find out more about your solutions. But more importantly, and and one thing that I want to bring up is you continue to do blog posts and you continue to do insight releases on your site where anybody who may not be up to speed as to what the, the marketplace as a whole is providing as an opportunity and a challenge. You provide insight there as well. So how do people get a hold of you or how do they find it on your website? Yeah, absolutely. So our website is www.ideology.com. Uh, on that site, you can download the consumer study that you mentioned today, Jim. Also, our annual fraud report is on there. It's all very easily outlined. There is a connect with us there where you can go in and do things like request a demo or ask for more information, download some of our white papers, read our blog. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Facebook. I'm personally on LinkedIn. I love talking about fraud. So if you just want to hit me up on there anytime, happy to do it. Um, uh, So we're pretty easy to get access to. And we're always at trade shows too. So you might just stumble across one of our booths at one of the ones coming up this year. And please, if you do, come over and say hi. We'd love to meet you. Hey, Heidi, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate the time. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform. Just raised a top five banking podcast and the winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. If you enjoyed today's interview, please give our show a five-star rating on your preferred podcast platform. Also, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and the research we're doing for the Digital Bank Report. If you're an organization that's trying to reach other financial institutions, be sure to check us out for our solutions interviews, such as the one we're doing today. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Ruhl-Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Ruth. Until next time, have a great day. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast 
to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.